Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. You can all stand. Welcome our visitors today. We've got just a few seats right up here, and there's some seats right over here. I see we've got some folks that are standing, and there's a few chairs here. There's one or two seats right in the middle here. So uh, if the ushers will help folks uh, to find a seat, we surely don't want them to stand all service. So we're planning on being here about three hours today. Say amen. 
<laughs> but uh, we do have, like I said, we've got a few seats over here. There's some right here in the middle, and this front row over here is about open. And so if you want to, uh, if you'll help them find them, different ones up there, and uh, we're glad you're here. Appreciate all of our visitors being here today. As I mentioned, the little packet that was given to you a while ago, there's a few things in there for you to take home. And also there's a guest card. If you would just take that and just fill it out, drop an offering plate in just a moment, we'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, we want to get some information to you about the church, and we want to get to know you as well. And we're certainly thrilled about you being here. Let me remind you of tonight. This, of course, is Resurrection Sunday, and we're celebrating uh, the risen Lord all through the services today. Tonight is going to be a very, very special service. Uh, the choir is doing something special today. He wore my crown, and I just got to see just a few minutes of it last night. It's really going to be good. It's going to be special, it's going to be different. And then Squire Parsons will be with us, and Squire Parsons Trio, and they'll be with us tonight. And there's one change. I want you to make note of this. We normally start at 6.30. We are starting at 6 o'clock tonight. So make a note of that. 6 o'clock, not 6.30. So if you come in at 6.30, uh, you're going to have trouble finding a seat. We're expecting a good crowd tonight. But it's going to be a great service. And uh, this is Resurrection Day. It's a celebration day. Amen? As I said to our group in prayer earlier this morning, our tops of the Lord's Day, our teachers, officers praying. I said, this is a day to celebrate, and so we're doing so. But tonight, keep that in mind, uh, the choir and Squire Parsons. That's going to really be special, so you don't want to forget that. Let's pray, and then you give tonight. Father, thank you for all you've done. We're so thankful the tomb is empty. I pray today that the power of a risen Lord will be manifested in this service. Bless the offering now and the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen.
with nothing to say. They just lost their dearest friend. All that he said, now he was dead. So this was the way it would end. The dreams they had dreamed were not what they seemed. Now that he was dead and gone, the garden, the jail, the hammer, the nail, how could a night be so long?
this old world in such confusion. Hearts are failing everywhere. And sometimes it seems that God, He just doesn't care. Oh, but don't you fear, for He holds our What a God we serve. You know, there's so many things that's happening in this world right now, folks. But Jesus Christ still reigns. He holds the future in His hands. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows. He still reigns. He's sitting up there watching us right now. We worship Him. He's reigning on high. I'm so thankful that Jesus loved me enough that He died on a cross for me. And he saved my soul. You know, it doesn't matter how many times we mess up. If we pick up those pieces to our broken life and we hand them to Jesus, he can make something out of nothing. I want you to listen to the message in this song. And you may be thinking that you're, you've done too much, that you can never be forgiven. I tell you, God's standing there with his arms wide open saying, come on in, my child. Just pick up the pieces and hand them to Jesus. Silence took place in the courtyard as Peter and Jesus they stood eye to eye. The crow of a rooster still echoed in the darkness as face to face with. Peter denied. 
down Peter's garment as he cried out in anguish, Lord, what have I done? He prayed, please forgive me. Wrap your arms all around me. I want to be a man. You can always count on. Just pick up the pieces and give them to Jesus. He came to free you from the guilt of your sin. the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. The book of Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to look at one verse of scripture this morning. Hebrews 7 25. I remember when I brought my broken pieces to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember that? You remember when you brought your broken pieces to the Lord? Thank the Lord for that. Let's stand as we honor the public reading of his word. I want to talk to you for just a little while this morning on the thought, because he lives. I just want to remind you what this day is all about, why we commemorate Easter, and how we celebrate this day. Hebrews 7, 25, one verse, we'll look at the verse and share with you some thoughts from it. Hebrews 7, 25, the scripture said, wherefore, he is able. He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Would you read that verse of scripture with me, please? Hebrews 7, 25. Let's read it together. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray. 
And then today, for just a little while, we'll share with you a few thoughts from God's Word. Our Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, we come with a full heart. We come with an overwhelmed heart. So many things, Lord, that thrills us and so many things that blesses us today. And we give you thanks for each one of them. And you know those particular things that our heart thinks of. Father, we thank you again for this day and what it means to the believer, what it can mean to many in this place today. We ask you now, Spirit of God, that you would fill us. I submit myself to you to be absolutely yours, that there not be one thing about me that is not completely controlled by the Holy Spirit. I ask you now and I claim your fullness, I claim your power, I claim your blessings now to do what you have given us to do for this particular moment. So honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Work in every heart, open every heart, make every heart receptive, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we ask these things, amen. Easter Sunday is a very, very special Sunday. Would you not agree with me? It's something unique and there's something special about Easter Sunday. But Easter Sunday is one of those red-letter days on my life calendar. On your calendar, you have certain days that are marked out by red letters that distinguish them as days with certain significance. On my own personal calendar, Easter Sunday is a red-letter day. For it was on an Easter Sunday in 1972 that I got saved by the grace of God. I was thinking this week, it is just good to be saved. I am glad this morning that I'm saved. If I kind of get to lose my dignity this morning, then you just forgive me. I'm saved and I'm happy that I've been saved by the grace of God. The day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose again was the day that I was born again. I think about how a number of years ago, 1910 to be exact, Mordecai Ham was preaching in Gonzales, Texas. Mordecai Ham was a great American evangelist. Billy Graham was converted under Mordecai Ham. Irene Touchstone was saved under Mordecai Ham when he was here back in 1939. But Mordecai Ham was preaching in Gonzales, Texas. We often sing the song, Saved, Saved, Saved. That song was written during the meeting in Gonzales, Texas. Great crowds were attending the service, and Mordecai Ham was preaching on the subject, the Christ our refuge. And in the service, there was a man there that was guilty of killing four men. He listened to Ham preach that particular night, and Ham explained that Christ is a refuge for sinners. And he's a refuge for sinners of any kind and stripe. And that the cities of refuge described in the Old Testament are a type of the Lord Jesus who is a haven of hope and an eternal forgiveness for all that will flee to him. Sitting in that service, that man, sitting where he was sitting, was saved. And midway during the sermon, he jumped up and he started shouting, Saved! 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 And, of course, J.B. Schofield wrote the song, Saved, Saved, Saved. If you'll pardon me, there are times on Easter Sunday morning and almost every Easter that I just want to just jump up and just shout to the top of my voice, Saved, praise God, I've been saved. Easter Sunday, 1972, God saved me by His marvelous grace. What I want to say to you this morning and just remind each of you this Easter Sunday morning is that Jesus Christ is in the saving business. That's what, he's, that's what it's all about. Jesus Christ came to save. The angel announced and announced his birth and he declared that she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus himself declared, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John said, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And Paul gave us the wonderful promise that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. 
Again, I remind you, Jesus is in the saving business. Hebrews 7.25 reminds us that he is a savior. Hebrews 7.25 reminds us that he is in the saving business. I say that to point out to you three things from our text today that remind us that because he lives, these things are true. I want you to notice with me, first of all, in Hebrews 7.25, his ability to save. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ being the Savior of the world. Well, Hebrews 7.25 tells us that he's able to save. Look at the first part of verse 25 and notice these words. Wherefore, the Bible said, he is able also to save to the uttermost. Hebrews 7.25 tells us that Jesus Christ has the ability to save. Now look at those words for a moment and let me point out two things from them. For one thing I see in that statement there, the declaration of his ability to save. Again, the writer says he is able. And the Bible says, and the writer goes on to say, that he is able to save. You notice the verb able that is used there. It's a verb that expresses and stresses his innate ability to do whatsoever he so desires and whatsoever he wills. When the Bible said that he is able, and it says that many times, it is simply stating that God is a God of ability, that God can do anything he wants to, that God can do anything he desires, that God can do anything that he wills. He is not a God that is limited in any fashion. He is not a God that is restrained in any way. But our text particularly tells us that he's able to save. It tells us that he is able to save. In other words, as I said a moment ago, he's in the saving business. And he's in the saving business because he has the ability to save. Now, when I look in the Bible, I find that he is not limited in when he can save. The Bible tells us that he's not limited in where he can save. And thank God the Bible tells us he's not limited in whom he can save. In fact, as I look at the Bible, I can see that I see that he can save at any time. Acts chapter 2, we find that 3,000 were saved at the third hour of the day. That'd be around 9 o'clock in the morning. The Apostle Paul testified in Acts 26 that he was saved at midday. That'd be around noon. The thief on the cross was saved between the hours, between the 6th and the ninth hour. That would be between the hours of 12 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Bible tells us that Nicodemus was saved at night. And the Bible tells us the Philippian jailer was saved at midnight. You see, friend, there is no time that he can't save. Whether it be at 9 o'clock in the morning, whether it be at noon or at 3 in the afternoon or at night or midnight, he can save at any time. I also see as I look in the Bible, not only can he save any time, but he can also save anywhere. He saved Levi in a custom house. A custom house was a tax collector or tax gatherer's office. You might say that Levi was saved in his office. He saved Andrew and Peter at a seaside. They were fishermen. You might say that he saved them on their job. He saved a paralytic man in a house. He saved Zacchaeus at the foot of a tree. He saved Paul in the middle of the road. He saved a Samaritan woman at a well. He saved an Ethiopian in a desert. He saved the Philippian jailer in a prison. He saved a thief, <coughs> excuse me, on the cross. What I'm saying is whether you be in the office or whether you're at work or whether you're at home or even like Zacchaeus up a tree, like Paul in the middle of the road or at a well, thank God there is no place that he can't save. He can save any time. He can save anywhere. And thank God he can. But I bless the fact that God not only can save anywhere and not only can he save any time, but thank God he can save anyone. It matters not who you are. It matters not what you have done. Jesus Christ can save. He saved a harlot like Rahab. He saved a demon-possessed woman like Mary Magdalene. He saved a moral man like Nathaniel. He saved a religious man like Nicodemus. He saved a rich man like Zacchaeus. He saved a poor man like Lazarus. He saved a fisherman like Peter. He saved a doctor like Luke. 
He saved a government official like the Ethiopian. He saved a lawyer like Zenos. He saved a flip. He saved a jailer like the Philippian jailer. He saved a thief like the thief on the cross. Again, may I say this morning, it matters not who you are. It matters not what you have done. Jesus Christ can save. That's his ability to save. And you say, oh, I'm too mean. Oh, no, no, no. He is able to save. A declaration of his ability. But you look further and you see a definition of his ability to save. For he tells us in verse 25 that it not only is he able to save, but he's able to save also to the uttermost. You underscore the word uttermost. It comes from two words meaning all and complete. When it talks about being saved to the uttermost, it speaks of that moment when you trust Christ. It speaks of that moment when a person gets saved and then he looks all the way forward to eternity to the completion of that salvation. In other words, when God saves a person, he gives that individual eternal life. He saves them at a moment. But at that moment that he saves them, he gives them everything that eternity affords. In other words, he assures them of a home in heaven. He makes them reservations for a mansion in the sky. When a person gets saved, they never have to worry about going to hell again. Heaven is your home. You have been given eternal life. Now, I know this morning I should have went to hell. And if I had what I deserve, I'd at least be on my way to hell. But thanks be to God. Glory be to his name. He saved me and he gave me a salvation that is to the uttermost. Heaven is my home. I'm just a passing through this whole world. He gave me new life. He changed me. And thank God I'll live with him throughout all eternity. That's what being saved is all about. Would you like to live in heaven one of these days? Would you like to know this morning that you have eternal life? Then I want you to understand Jesus Christ saves. He is able to save. But look at something else. Hebrews 7, 25 not only talks about his ability to save, but it also talks about his accessibility to save. Let me read a little further in verse 25. We read, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. Now notice that come unto God by him. We not only see his ability, but we also see his accessibility. The Bible tells us that we come to God. As we've seen, we come to God at any time. We can come to God anywhere. And thank God anyone can come to God. But the Bible is telling us that we can come to the Lord, that He not only can save us, but that we can come to Him to be saved. His accessibility. Two things about that accessibility. For one thing, it talks about our approach. We come unto God. The word come simply means it speaks of our approach, how an individual approaches someone or approaches some place. We come to God. We approach God. Now, the question this morning is, how do we come to God? We can come to Him. That's our accessibility in Him. But how do we come to Him? I know many of you have heard the great hymn. It's been sung millions and millions of times at the conclusion of a service, Just As I Am Without One Plea, written by a lady. And she often vented her frustration on her friends and vented her frustration on her family and even vented her frustration on God. She'd often complain, if God loved me, he would not have treated me this way. He didn't do this to my brother. He didn't do this to my sister. Why did he let it happen to me? She's a very bitter individual, very sour individual. On one occasion, her father invited Dr. Caesar Milan, the noted Swiss minister, musician, to be a guest in their home. And they were seated at the dinner table. And suddenly Charlotte gave vent to one of her typical emotional outbursts and she began to condemn God for being so cruel to her. Her father was so embarrassed at her lack of respect for the distinguished guest that he excused himself and the rest of the family. And there sat Charlotte and the noted preacher and the noted musician facing one another across the table. After a few tense moments of silence, Dr. Milan looked at Charlotte and he said, You are tired of yourself, aren't you? And she angrily snapped back, What do you mean, tired of myself? And Dr. Milan looked at her and said, You're holding to your hate and you're holding to your anger because you have nothing else in the world to cling to. Consequently, you have become sour and you have become bitter. 
and you have become resentful. And Charlotte looked at him and said, well, what's your cure then? What is your cure? If you say, I'm sour, what is your cure? Dr. Milan said, you need the very faith that you're trying to despise. It's like something broke the heart of Charlotte Elliott down. Maybe it was understanding or sense in an understanding heart and Dr. Milan or maybe just years of fighting. Suddenly she broke down and she unburdened herself, releasing the pent-up feelings she had been struggling to conceal for many years. And Dr. Milan explained to her how she could find peace for her soul as well as for her mind and her body. Charlotte looked at him and she began to apologize for her behavior. And then she said to him, she said, if I wanted to become a Christian, and I wanted to share the joy and the peace that you possess, what would I do? How would I go about it? Dr. Milan said, you would simply give yourself to God just as you are now. When he made that statement, just as you are now, Charlotte repeated the words, just as you are now. And then she added, I would come to God just as I am. Is that right? I would come just as I am. And Dr. Milan said, exactly. You come praying this prayer, oh God, I come to you just as I am. And that day she did pray that prayer. And years later, 14 years later, she wrote, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Now, how do you come? Jesus Christ has the ability to save. To save those that come unto God by him. How do you come? You come just as you are. That's all you've got to do is come. Would you like to know this morning that you are, that when this life is over with, that heaven is your home? I think everyone in this room today would love to be able to lay down at night knowing that if they die, they don't have to go to hell. And love to lay down at night knowing in their heart without any question and without any doubt and without any uncertainty that, yes, heaven would be my home. I, I know you would want that. And you can. All you've got to do is come. And you can come anytime. You can come anywhere. Anyone can come. Come just as you are. What do you do when you come? Well, you notice not only our approach, but our acceptance, for notice carefully that he said, those that come unto God by him. Two words, by him. We come, that's how we approach God. We come to God by Jesus Christ. In other words, the words indicate that we come to God through Jesus or we come by Jesus. We come to God accepting what Christ has done for us on the cross. And we come to God by faith, accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. How many of you in this room this morning have been saved? You know that heaven is your home. Would you raise your hand? Are you glad for it? Say amen. amen. Then I want to say to every person that raised your hand, you know how you got saved? You got saved because one day you came. You got saved one day because you came to God. And you came to God by Him. You came to God and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you came to God and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's why you're saved. That's how I got saved. April the 2nd, 1972, on an Easter Sunday morning, I came. I came just the way that I was. I came my life all messed up. I came with my sin. I came with my life messed up as a sad. And I brought it to Jesus Christ. As he sung a moment ago, I brought my broken pieces to him. I came just as I was. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus. That's why I'm saved today. I'm not saved because I'm a preacher. I'm not saved because I'm a Baptist. I'm not saved because I live a certain way. I'm saved because one day I came to God by Jesus Christ. I accepted him. But someone might say, but don't I have to clean up my life and live better to be saved? No, you come just as you are. And I would throw this out. The devil will make sure that you'll never get your life straightened out. He's the one that messed it up to start with. And he'll see to it that you never get your life straightened out. But you don't have to straighten your life out to come to God. Let him straighten your life out. That's what he's in the business for. Come to him. 
But you say, don't I have to do this and don't I have to do that to be saved? The answer is no. All you got to do is come to Jesus Christ and accept him as your personal Savior. You can come. That's our accessibility. But a third and a final thing, and this I magnify, you not only have his ability to save and his accessibility to save, but you see his authority to save. Let me read the verse to you again and conclude the verse. Wherefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now listen to me. Jesus Christ is able to save. Amen? He is able to save anyone that will come to him and put their faith in Jesus Christ. He is able to save. But what is his authority to save? Hebrews tells us that his authority is that he is alive, that he is a living Savior. That's what today's about. This is Easter Sunday. Jesus Christ got out of the grave on the morning of the third day. He's alive. That's what we celebrate. That is his authority to save. For example, I point out two things. The fact of his resurrection. So I said we celebrate a glorious fact. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. Now I know there are those who always deny the resurrection. And those who are skeptical of it. I think about a man that wrote a religious editor one time. And he said, dear sir, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross. And the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Signed so-and-so. The next week he received the following reply. Dear sir, beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through his side. Embalm him. Put him in an airless tomb for 72 hours and see what happens. Can I get an amen right there? He's alive. That is a fact. It's not a myth. We hadn't lost our mind. We're not outdated. We're not, don't have intellect. Jesus Christ is alive. He died on Calvary's cross. For my sin, for your sin, was buried. But on the third day, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. Jesus Christ is alive. That's a fact. Glory be to his name. But the force of his resurrection is this. What does it mean to us today? What does it mean that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And a simple answer, because he lives I live also. Because he is alive, I can live also. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 tells us that our faith would be in vain. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, 17 tells us that we are still in our sins. I well remember an Easter Sunday morning 29 years ago, an old building in the mountains of North Carolina. You've heard me tell the story before. Old wood shavings on the floor, an old block building, simple building, simple structure. Basically, it was on the end of town to where churches had been built years before by a Presbyterian preacher by the name of Dan Graham. They had built the building so he could hold his revival meetings in during the wintertime, the harsh winters in the mountains. And when he left, he signed it over to a committee in the county, giving, uh, providing it for churches that they ever needed. If a church burnt down, they had a place to meet. Whatever, any kind of situation like that, it was always available. And the church I'd got saved in, it just started. It was less than a year old. And I went on Sunday morning. My younger brother had started going. And he'd come back, and he was so excited. And he had got saved, and his whole life was different. And then my mom, and then my dad started going. Then my mom started going. I grew up in a family. Mom and dad eventually would se separate. But we had all kinds of problems through the years growing up. We didn't grow up in church. We'd get in church for a little while. Mom and dad do a little better. And then we'd be out of church for seven, eight months. And then it'd get a little rough. And they'd get back in for a couple of weeks or maybe a month at the most. In and out, in and out. That's all I ever knew. But they had started going in this new church, and everybody was so different. Everybody was so excited. 
And so I went maybe a Sunday or two beforehand, but it was Easter Sunday morning. My grandparents came up from Lexington, North Carolina. My aunt and uncle came up from Lexington, North Carolina. We were all going to church together on Easter Sunday morning. And so I went that Sunday morning. When I went that Sunday morning, I had no intentions of being saved or had no thoughts about it. All I was thinking about was what we were going to do that afternoon. But I went to church that day, went to Sunday school. The old building was open like this, and there was a class setting up in this corner. There was a class setting up in this corner. There was a class right down here in the middle. There's a class back there in that corner. There's a class back there in that corner. You didn't have rooms. I was up here in this corner where the young people was. When I was 12 years old, I'd made a profession at the Mount Lebanon Baptist Church in Boone, North Carolina. I had went to an altar there and, and knelt on my knees in a revival meeting and cried a little bit. They asked me if I felt better. I said, yeah, I felt better. They slapped me on the back. Two weeks later, I was baptized. I had no idea what had happened. Nothing had happened. I just went to the altar and cried. But that Sunday morning, I remember sitting up there in the corner in the young people's Sunday school class on the very back row. Big old tall Sunday school teacher by the name of Philip Smalling. He said, I want to do something different this morning in Sunday school. He said, I want you young people to tell me when you got saved. I want you young people to tell me how you got saved. I want you to tell me about it. And they started down here, and one by one by one, they started telling about getting saved and how they got saved. I remember sitting on the back row of that class thinking, I hope he doesn't get to me. I hope he doesn't get to me. For as I listened to him talk about being saved and listened to him talk about how they got saved, something began to happen in my heart. And I began to realize that Sunday morning that what they were talking about had never happened in my heart. I went in the service that morning, went right back here, and there's an old pot belly stove. I sit down behind it. I thought I'd hide back there, but when the invitation was given, somebody got hold of my heart. Somebody showed me that I was lost. Somebody showed me that if I died, I'd go to hell. Sitting back there as a 16-year-old teenager, I thought, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to die without God and go to hell. And I got up. I ran down to this corner, got on my knees. A preacher knelt beside me, said, what can I pray with you about? I said, Brother Richard, I'm not saved. I can't be saved. I want to be saved. He took the Bible and showed me that him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out, and that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I came, I called, and thank God he saved. Now, you want to know why he saved me that day? Yeah, celebrate it. Praise be to God. He's alive. Glory to God. That's why I could come. That's why I could be saved. If Jesus had died and they had buried him in a tomb and sealed him and he had remained there, not a one of us would have any hope of being saved. A dead man can't save a man. But thank God he's not dead. He's alive. And because he's alive, he has the ability to say to the uttermost, those that are coming to God, by him. That's his authority to save. He is a living Savior. Think about a man standing on the street one day looking in a window. He was looking at a large painting that was on display in that store window. It was a painting of Jesus on the cross. Over here in one corner is the soldiers, and over here are the disciples. And he's just standing there, just looking at the picture. A little bitty boy walked up, and the little boy had been in Sunday school, and, and he knew a little bit about the picture and what was going on. After a few minutes, he tugged on the man's breeches leg, said, Mister, that's Jesus on the cross. And the man didn't reply, just continued looking at the picture. And a few moments, the little boy pulled his pants leg again and said, Mister, Mister, them soldiers there, them soldiers killed Jesus. And the man didn't say anything, but just kept looking at the painting. And then in a few minutes, the little boy reached up and jerked his britches leg again and said, Mister, Mister, them, them disciples there, they, they buried Jesus. And the man didn't say anything and turned and walked down the street. He'd got about a block down the street when he heard little old footsteps just a pounding down the street. And he turned, and here was a little old boy running at him just as fast as he could. And he stopped, and the, and the little boy come around and said, Mr. Mr. He said, I forgot to tell you, he didn't stay dead. He got out of the grave three days later. Are you listening to me today? Are you listening to me today? This is Easter Sunday.
Jesus is alive. He is alive. Therefore, He is able to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Because Jesus Christ is alive. Thank God you can live also. Let's bow our heads. Thank you so much for listening. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Because He lives, He can save. Because He lives, you can come to Him. Because He lives, thank God He can save your soul. There may be those in the room today that you're like I was on an Easter Sunday morning. Maybe you had a little religious background. Maybe you were a church member. But in your heart, you know that you've never really done business with God. And you know that you've never really been saved. Maybe you're like me. Maybe today you're like I was 29 years ago on this particular Sunday. Maybe you're here and you have no hope. You know you're not saved. You know there's never been a moment in your life that you came to Jesus Christ. Maybe that's where you're at. Well, I've got good news for you. I don't remember what the preacher said on that Easter Sunday, 1972. I don't even remember what he preached on. I'm sure it had something to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Being Easter, I'm sure it had something to do with it. And knowing my preacher, I know he had something to say about being saved. He never preached without just hammering away on being saved and knowing that you're saved. Knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, as he used to put it, that you're saved. I want you to know this morning, Jesus Christ was saved. When we sing in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to do something this Easter Sunday morning. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive in this service. His presence is in this service. His presence has been felt this service. He's here, and he'll save you. Now, here's what you got to do. All you got to do is come to him. Now, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to come to Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to get up out of your seat and come. And I know it's a hard thing to do, but I'm talking about heaven and hell. I'm talking about your sins being forgiven. I'm talking about how you can know you have eternal life. That's what I'm talking about. And that's worth coming for. And he said if you'll come, and you'll come and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, he'll save you. He'll give you eternal life. He'll give you a brand new life. And you can leave today knowing without any doubt, without any question whatsoever, that you're a child of God. This may be the first time you've ever been here. And I know that would make it difficult for you coming. But you come anyway. Because he saves anywhere, anytime, anyone. And he'll save you today. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you're a member. It doesn't matter. I want you to come Jesus Christ. There are people all over this building today that are praying for you. There are people all over this building today that want you to be a part of our family. Spirit of God wants you to be a part of the family of God. And we're going to come. Now, you mark this down. Let me assure you of one thing. The devil is going to do everything he can to keep you from coming. For he knows all you got to do is come. And he didn't want you to come. Because if you come, you come to Jesus, then he's going to save Jesus to save you. And he doesn't want that. He wants to put you in hell one day. He wants to stay in charge of your life, be in charge of your life. So he's going to do everything he can to keep you from coming. He's going to tell you to wait some other service. He's going to tell you, no, don't go down there. What would people think? He's going to tell you everything. He's going to convince you you shouldn't come. He's going to let everything happen around you that possibly can to get you to think about something else. He doesn't want you to come. But you've got to remember why he doesn't want you to come. He didn't want you to come because he wants you to go to hell. But Jesus Christ is alive. And he said if you'll come to him, he'll save you. And we sing in just a moment, I want you to do what many in this room have done at some time in their life. They came to Jesus Christ.
I want you to do what I did 29 years ago on this Easter Sunday. I want you to come. And when we begin to sing, you come. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are alive. You're living. Therefore, men can come to you and you'll save them. Father, today in Jesus' name, if there's somebody here that is unsaved, I ask you, Lord, to let them come. Father, I pray the convicting power of the Spirit of God will bring them to the Lord Jesus. You'll do in their heart what you did in my heart 29 years ago. Help them to see, Lord, that they don't have to go to hell. But they can be saved. I pray, Lord Jesus, bring them. Let them come. God, I pray that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will draw them mightily as you drew me mightily 29 years ago. Work today, Lord. Spirit of God, stir our hearts. You are alive. And all we ask is just to manifest yourself in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's